Welcome to Talking Property. Today I'm joined by Australia's best property analyst, Louis Christopher, as we review the 2021 property market. Louis, thanks for joining us today. Nice to be with you as always, Peter. Uh, Louis, in numbers, how did the Sydney property market perform during 2021? It was a boom year for 2021 in Sydney. Sydney house prices rose by 26%. Units did not fare as, as strongly as that. They rose by roughly about 6%. And what sectors of the city did the best? Generally, the inner, middle and outer rings for freestanding houses. All areas rose very strongly indeed. The affluent end of the market certainly went up, uh, but also the outer ring went up as well. This was driven predominantly by people wishing to get larger accommodation because they've been working from home and stemmed from the 2020 demographic moves towards larger accommodation. Uh, but driven this year, uh, particularly for the second half of the year by property investors. It was a phenomenal boom by historical standards. Have you seen a 12-month period like this in your time of following the property market? Not for Sydney house prices. I think the last time we had such games like this were actually back in the late 1980s. Wow. So normally you might see rapid shifts like this in a micro market, like say Byron Bay might be the winner from the pandemic, but that's obviously a lot, a lot smaller sample of the market than a city of 5 million like Sydney. Absolutely. So at the capital city <clears throat> level, it's very rare we see such gains recorded in one year. In terms of economic fundamentals, Louis, was this a justified boom? It just seemed to come out of nowhere and, and seemed unjustified, if I can say that. Well, clearly the market at this point in time in Sydney and Melbourne for houses is overvalued due to these very strong price rises. So I think the market's been overheated. To say it's justified, well, we know the reasons why it happened. Easy credit, a change in the demographics to larger properties, uh, and of course, massive government stimulus all created this boom. You recently joined the House of Reps uh, inquiry into housing affordability and supply. What did that achieve and what came out of that inquiry, Louis? Well, the inquiry is still ongoing as we speak. Uh, I think it's an important inquiry. It's not the first that's come through. Uh, I think addressing housing affordability or trying to resolve housing affordability is not something we can do over the short term. It's a complicated issue and it requires solutions on multiple fronts. It requires solutions on credit. It requires solutions on supply. It requires solutions on taxation reform. It requires incentives to grow regional Australia. And then we have to address some larger questions still surrounding big Australia. So there's no quick fixes. There's no quick fixes as far as I can see. We're going to have to take this one step at a time. We will have to do this with intent. I think we should come up with a 20-year plan and come up with discussed solutions on each of those fronts. Uh, it's great that you mentioned the 20-year plan because when you look at the fact that uh, uh, election cycles are every three and a half years from a, a federal perspective, um, you don't really see too many governments managing for a 20-year cycle when it comes to housing, do you? That's true, Peter, and that's why I'm a little bit negative <laughs> that we're actually going to be able to achieve this. But we've got to have a go, right? Yes. We've got to have a go and, and try. And I can see, uh, I think one positive out of this is I can see on both sides of Parliament a real intent to try and resolve this issue. 
great. Louis, let's talk stock levels uh, now, if we can, during during the year. I want to bring this slide up, uh, listings on market that you've uh, put together for us. Yes. Um, what is this slide here telling us about total listings for 2021 in comparison to 2020? It tells us that total listings declined overall. And indeed, total listings in the Sydney housing market have been on a downward trend for the past 10 years now. And we think this in part has to do with housing affordability once again and some inefficient taxes that we have there, for example, stamp duty. So, but the here and now, the numbers show that absorption rates in the Sydney housing market were very strong in 2021, hence the reason why listings fell. And in particular, old listings really fell away. New listings held ground and indeed increased. So absorption rates is days on market. Properties were coming on and selling quicker. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly yeah. right. Well, ultimately, more buyers and sellers are absorbing all the additional stock that's been out there. So I look at this graph here uh, on our slide and it says listings on market. And clearly they crashed during the middle of the year when we're in the lockdown and the traditional winter yes. shutdown period. But what's interesting is that transaction volumes for the year uh, reported as being up 34%. So is that all coming down to days on market where during this frenzied boom that we saw, buyers had no reaction time, they needed to decide there and then whether they wanted the subject property? I think the, the word you describe as being a frenzy is correct. Uh, so there was almost a new panic for buyers to get in the market very quickly uh, before prices go up again. Uh, so yes, we, we did go through that period. I must say though, over recent weeks, listings have been rising again and rising very quickly indeed. And we're, we've been finishing the year off uh, where I would have to say we're coming back to market equilibrium, where there's just as many sellers as, as there are buyers. I, I want to ask a provocative question, and it's one that's not being reported at the moment in the media, but is there a chance the market's falling at the moment? It's mm, a good question. I think Demand has fallen off for lower quality properties. Uh, so your B and C grade properties. Yes, I'm hearing this uh, across a number of people I trust on the ground. It's a very consistent story. Uh, has overall demand therefore fallen away? Perhaps a little, but I still think demand's relatively strong. There are still buyers out there. It's not as though we're in a situation where we've got greatly reduced buyers across the board. But the market is not as strong as where we were at the start of this year. And so we've been finishing a year where it's been a little bit weaker. I'm still not convinced that this is the start of a long-term downturn. Uh, I think potentially this is more of a supply side where supplies suddenly increase are relative to buyers. Buyers are becoming a little bit cautious. They're, they're reading the reports of a lot more listings and clearance rates falling away a bit. And given the fact that many of the buyers out there right now are property investors, well, investors historically have been a bit fickly. They tend to be momentum oriented. They like to buy when the market's going up further and they tend to hold off or sell when the market starts to topple or fall. It, the thing is, in all this, we still have easy credit, uh, low interest rates, we still have a strong economy. Well, let's, let's go to those two points, if we can, specifically. Yep. Coming out of lockdown, yes. APRA stepped in, 
yes. with their first tightening in two years yes. by increasing the home, home borrower's serviceability yes. by 0.5%. Uh, and at the same time, during November, all four retail banks started to tweak their rates up. Their fixed rates, that yes. is correct. Just keeping in mind, of course, uh, many home buyers still like to go on the variable rate. Uh, so, yes, there was a tweak up, and you're right about that, that first move by APRA. I'm not so sure that that move on its own by APRA is enough to trigger uh, a deep slowdown. And so our forecast for next year, or for 2022, um, is that we think APRA may have to step in again. But we'll see. If we are indeed at the top right now as we speak, APRA will not step in. They'll recognise the signs and they'll, they'll back off. What they wish to achieve with APRA is they wish to take the heat out of the market but I do not think that their objective is to create a significant correction in the market, similar to the one that we had from late 2017 through to 2019. The heat has definitely come out of the market on the ground, as we've discussed. Um, but top end, what you might call prestige properties right around the city, you know, $4 million plus, still seem to be the only product that is in boom mode. Is that because the borrowers of such properties are not governed by... Um, APRA regulation and um, interest rates tweaking up, they're, they're more cash strong. What would be the explanation there? Yes, they're more cash strong, that the economy is very strong. And so when the economy is strong, uh, the wealthy continue on with their ways. Inflation's been uh, creeping up. Uh, and there's many, there are many out there who are forecasting higher inflation in 2022. And we, we are one research house that's forecasting higher inflation as well. Now, the thing is, we've the rich and the wealthy, is that they're willing to borrow money. A little bit unlike what happened back in the 1970s, where the wealthy were generally cashed up, they didn't borrow money. They still bought property, but they didn't really wish to do it on, on debt. The wealthy these days like to borrow money on debt, uh, and they're doing it because the interest rate is lower than the inflation rate. So that debt is effectively devaluing because of the rise in inflation. And so the rich are getting richer out of all this. Mm. Not, not the intended consequence, that's for sure. That's true. And that's very hard for governments to control that one that you've just outlined there, isn't it? It is hard. There are, there are solutions uh, surrounding taxation reform. Louis, last time APRA intervened um, in May 2017, uh, up until May 2019 after that federal election, uh, they were nearly solely responsible for driving the property market down 15 to 16%. Do you see there's any risk that they could have the stomach for seeing house prices pull back 10% as a result of their measures? I don't think that's their intent this time around, but I don't think it was their intent the first time around either. I, I think uh, if you were to tell APRA, this is how it's going to play out between 2017 to 2019, your actions are going to create a 15 to 20% decline in prices, they probably would have backed off a bit. So I think this time around, they're trying to take a more softly, softly approach. But I do believe they're likely to step into the market again next year. They generally don't just make one change. They tend to sort of make multiple steps in addressing market risks. So our view, our base case, is that they will step in in some form again in 2022 with nuanced changes trying to tweak it at the edges rather than create that massive drop. Correct. Yeah. However, there is a scenario that plays out whereby we are actually seeing the top of the market now and APRA holds back. 
Louis, there's an interesting dislocation in, in, in society at the moment. If I can bring up these two slides, uh, the RBA is saying firmly and unequivocally to the marketplace, there will be no interest rate rises until 2024. Yes. Um, everyone else in society on our next slide is clearly saying there that rate rises are baked in and they're coming. Um, which camp are you in there? Oh, you know, I like to follow what the money markets are telling the world and the money markets are suggesting rates are about to go up and go up rather, rather aggressively. However, the RBA has been stating very strongly, as you point out, that there will not be a rate rise in 2022 and they point to reasons behind that. Now, I think if inflation surprises on the upside once more for the Reserve Bank, they'll be forced to move in 2022. If on the other hand, we have a situation where we have to go back into lockdowns or severe COVID restrictions once more where the borders are closed, that would be a big dampener for the economy. And I think then the Reserve Bank of Australia would have plenty of justification to hold off lifting rates, no matter what inflation does next year. If rates do rise with the RBA in 2022, is that a damning indictment on the RBA or is that just how markets work? I think that's more or less how markets work. The Reserve Bank of Australia is trying to respond based on all the information they have at hand. Uh, and they have information which does suggest that at least some part of the rising inflation is transitory, is, is not permanent. So uh, I understand where, they, where they're coming from. And we must also recall that in the last 10 years, there have been times when potentially the Reserve Bank of Australia has tried to preempt rising inflation. It's never come about. Uh, so they're cautious about that this time. They've made it very clear that what they want to see this time is rising wages growth before they actually really respond to yeah. inflationary pressures. So, so the RBA is entitled to change its mind and, Absolutely. and could well change its mind is your message. That's right. And they have changed their mind in the past. So they're just simply responding to all the information they have available at this point in time. If that information changes, then they've got every right to change their viewpoint and change their policy. As we've discussed, retail banks have already increased interest rates in November 2021. The RBA move up in 2022. Does that mean the retail banks then push their rates up further again? Or do they hold saying, no, no, the rate rise that we wanted to see, we did in November? If the Reserve Bank of Australia does lift the cash rate in 2022, then you'll see variable rates lift immediately. Uh, the, the banks will move. No, it's no question. To about what that. sort of level can we expect? Well, that's a, a very good question. It just depends on what the Reserve Bank of Australia does. If they lift by, say, 25 basis points, the banks will lift by 25 basis points or a little bit more. Um, if the Reserve Bank of Australia has to lift by, say, 50 basis points, the banks will lift by 50 basis points or more. That would be an absolute shock to the market, 0.5%, wouldn't it? Yes, it would, but there is one potential scenario that could play out whereby we still have what I call negative real rates, and that is where inflation surprises on the upside. A situation where inflation in this country hits, for example, 5% or 6%. Now, in that scenario, if we lift rates to say half a percentage point, it means we still have negative real rates, which still stimulates the economy. So you've articulated there the absolute importance of inflation in this entire debate. Absolutely, it is, it is critical. It's, and uh, 
important to understand whether the Reserve Bank of Australia decides to stay behind the inflation curve, so let inflation run, or do they panic and they get in front of the inflation curve. In other words, if inflation is running at, say, 5 or 6%, they actually lift rates to, say, 7 8 or 9%. That doesn't seem to be on their agenda, though, does it? Not for now. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I'm yeah. sure they do not wish to talk about that scenario and scare the economy, scare the community. They'd shake markets with that one. They certainly would. Uh, Louis, landlords reliant on income from their rental properties have done it the toughest during COVID. International borders being closed, um, international students being locked out and heading home. Um, what can we expect or what have we seen in 2021 for, for landlords? Have they enjoyed any growth late in the year or has it just been uh, COVID bottom, bottomless rents? Rents in Sydney have risen in 2021, particularly for freestanding houses. houses. So we have rents up for houses by about 10% roughly for the year, which is huge for Sydney. Units, on the other hand, have not done that much at all. And CBD units and inner city unit rents have fallen to some respect. Now, for 2022, the key will be what happens with the international border. Do we see the return of international students? Do we see the return of net positive overseas migration? If we do, then I think the inner city rental unit market will have a good year. If we don't, it could be yet another bad year. And let's keep in mind that we're still having building new apartments and new houses, of course. At the same rate as pre-COVID, are construction levels where they've always been or, or did they developers back off? Did the market force them to back off? Before COVID, we were completing Australia-wide roughly about 180,000 to 200,000 dwellings a year. That number's fallen now to, I think, for 2022, it'll come in at about 150,000. For 2021, it's, it's been about 170,000. Now, the problem with that is that, uh, as we know, the, the borders have been closed. So the population for 2021 has only expanded by some 35, 40,000 people. So you can see immediately, we've built more than what the underlying demand has required for, for 2021. So we've got oversupply and lack of demand. Yes, we do in underlying terms. But for whatever reason, we've seen a situation that while we've had a lot of dwelling completions, a lot of those completions have not hit the rental market. So a lot of these uh, property owners have been holding on to their properties, potentially as a second place to live if we have another lockdown. Uh, but yeah, they, they haven't really hit the market. And that's the reason why, despite that, surplus, uh, we've still been recording very tight rental vacancy rates. Louis, that's the outstanding wrap-up of 2021 today. Thanks very much for that. Thank you, Peter. And thank you for joining us today on Talking Property. We look forward to speaking with you next time.